Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And today we are going to discuss a book called Face It by Debbie Harry, who is the lead singer of Blondie. And Blondie is a group. Debbie Harry is not Blondie, right? Well, she plays the character Blondie. But the, group is, but, the group, but the group is called the group, Blondie. Yeah, the group en- encompasses the entire band. Is that a problem? Not for me. Oh. <laughs> is it a problem for you? No, but it may have been a problem for some of the musicians in the band. Oh, oh. yeah. I'm sure that there was some issues mm-hmm. when they were... I mean, she was obviously the main focus of the band. Yes. I think everybody thought of her as being Blondie, and they were sort of the backup band yes. in a way but. if you forget debbie harry's name immediately think you know just call her blondie yeah i'm sure lots of people did call her blondie mm-hmm. back in the day yeah so but she talks about that as being like a character that she yes. played so um so this is like her memoir that she wrote this came out it's a brand new book mm-hmm. and um are you a blondie fan I was a huge blondie fan when i was in high school mm-hmm. which is when they were sort of at the height of their fame um, yeah, I love Debbie Harry. I mean, I thought she was just like super cool. Um, you know, I loved that she sort of, you know, she owned her sexuality. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was a real leader in that regard. I feel like people like Madonna mm-hmm. and, you know, all the women that have sort of come after her and, and used their sexuality, you know, owned it and, and didn't let other people sort of take advantage of them. They manipulated it themselves. I feel like she was really a forerunner in that regard. Um, I liked how she was sort of, you know, yeah. she was the smart, dumb blonde, you know? It's right. Like, so, yeah. And she's, and she's a songwriter as well. So yeah, she yeah. Songs. She wrote a bunch of the songs. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I was a big fan in high school. I mean, uh-huh. I sort of lost track when she started her solo career. And it was funny, as I was reading the book, I didn't even realize that Blondie had regrouped and done several albums in the last two yeah, decades. You know that? I you didn't know that. Know that. Yeah, they played her really, millions of times. I know. I've gotten way out of touch. Where, it's so funny. Where were you? <laughs> I know. So, I mean, I, I was a hardcore fan back in the day. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I still like her. I, you mm-hmm. know, I loved her in Hairspray. Yes. But, um, yeah, I sort of lost track. I hadn't really kept up to date with what she was up to. I like Blondie because it reminds me of our last subject matter, of the Shangri-Las. Yes, they were hugely influenced by the Shangri-Las and, I think and the Debbie, girl group sound. And Debbie Harry has that sort of Shangri-Las sound and that sort of aesthetic. Yeah, well, they covered the... <laughs> what song did they cover? Um, we even put it on our playlist now. Out in, the, out in the streets? or Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. But a lot of the... There's another song. I was listening to some of the mm. records, and there's one where they basically like almost mimic... A, a Shangri, you know the op- the intro from some right. Shangri La uh-huh. song, and um, it's definitely like that girl group sound was big. I mean, it was big with a lot of the bands back then. The Ramones yeah. too were big yeah. girl group fans, yeah. Shangri La's fans. I think all those New York punk rock groups yeah. of the seventies were yeah. have, have a strong Shangri La's yeah. um, aesthetic, and I think the real New York, New Jersey, mm-hmm. East Coast type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, Blondie also has a lot of personality as a band. I mean, to me, they, they have always had that sort of, you know, they have the Shangri-La's aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But also Blondie was really in the height of the whole uh, 70s r- punk rock or rock renaissance. You know, there's Intelligent, the yeah, Ramones, and yeah. Richard Hell, and, you know, Heartbreak. Well, they were and, probably know. the most successful band they were. in terms of hits. and They were. They yeah. had hit songs galore. Yeah. They were huge. Yeah. And so full of character. 
Yeah. So I read this book, Face It. Mm-hmm. And what I had to face was <laughs> a sense of lack of character. Yeah. And I was disappointed because I would think that Debbie Harry would have more of a, uh, uh, more of a uh, strong... Well, this, is, this is very frustrating. Mm-hmm. I sense she's a very strong character. Yeah. But for whatever reasons... Uh, either for professional or private or just her own personality. Yeah. I don't, when I read this book, I don't get a, uh, I, I don't really get a, I feel like I'm not getting a full picture yeah. of her. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there's a strange disconnection, what she's saying. Mm-hmm. That's kind of shocking, actually. Um, yeah. That one part of the book where she talks about her and um, her um, partner in crime uh, and her boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. They're writing a long-term relationship. To this day, they're not a couple anymore, but you know they're they're like um, yeah they're like best friends. I it mentions in the book yeah. that she sees them every day. Yeah, you know towards yeah, the end yeah, of the book. Yeah, she's godmother to the kids, to, yeah, yeah. To, to his two young children. Yeah, um, and what was the odd thing that struck me strange was this um, uh, in the early either early part of her career or before Blondie started, she um, her and Chris Chris Stein. Uh-huh were robbed in front of their apartment. And what happened was that um, um, the, the the robber made them go up to the house and they went to the apartment and mm-hmm. he stole all the equipment. And then he he raped her apparently yeah. afterwards, like an afterthought almost. Yeah. And that's shocking. That's I mean that's you know it's shocking to say that. But her 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 take on it is what I just told you is much longer than it's actually in the I book. I know, I know. And that was kind of shocking to me. Like, yeah. there's no, like, she. it's either, I can understand you don't want to deal with it, you know. Yeah. Um, if I was her, and if it's, well, this is it. If I have a problem with it, which is totally understandable, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't put it in the book. Yeah. I would just eliminate it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but since she did put it in the book, it's, it's strange because literally it's like one sentence. Yeah, and the way her stance is that it was like you know, like actually losing Chris Stein's guitars. Yeah, she says that was the worst part of it was yeah. losing the guitars. I mean, yeah. When I read it, I was shocked. It it was so cavalier, um, but it's interesting because I, you know, I also kind of tried to step back and think, well, okay, you know, everybody has their own way of processing trauma. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like I don't I. Try really hard not to judge it, although it really sort of bothered me because it was like, it almost felt like she was trying to be like this tough girl, like, uh, oh, you know, whatever. And that sort of felt like, in a way, it's dishonoring that experience. But, you know, I don't know. You have to let everybody process things themselves. And I read some interviews just uh today online about the book. (coughs) Apparently, quite a few people were upset about Uh that, you know, understandably. Uh, You know, that's something, that kind of trauma is something that really hits people. And... Her response was that, you know, it was interesting because she said in both the interviews I read, she said, well, I wasn't beaten. So it wasn't as bad as if I had been beaten. Um, So I thought that was kind of odd. And then she also just said, you know, it's the way she processed it was that she just had to move on. So, you know, I don't I mean, I felt like the whole book was very um, flip, not even, you know, I mean, there were other serious things that she discussed in it. It was all very casual mm. and everything felt very staccato and very non sequitur and it's yeah. just like 
it was a very odd book. I mean, you know, I, I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it more or less, mm-hmm. but I felt like it was an extended Wikipedia entry. Yeah, I feel <laughs> the know, same way. It was just it was sort of this happened, that happened, but there was no sort of illumination or examination. Um, if you look at her peers, I mean, her contemporaries, like yeah. and, and Patty Smith wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Richard Hale wrote a book. Uh, Richard Lloyd wrote a book from television. Right. Yeah, we've read all of those. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, there's been quite a few now people yeah. that era. And uh, Please Kill Me, which is the oral history. Right. And all those books has such a strong, not only a strong presence of the writer, of the person, mm-hmm. but also in their own manner, they sort of describe things in, in greater detail. Yeah. Where... After a while, when I'm reading the Debbie Harry book, I feel like she's reading a list of things, you yeah, know? It's like, yeah. it's like she doesn't like, you know, you know, like for instance, you know, she doesn't really go into the band that much, yeah. just sort of superficially. Yeah. And even with her partner in crime and her, you know, her music partner as well as her romantic partner for so many years, Chris Stein, I don't get a picture of him hardly at all in a way. Yeah. And I know he's way more interesting. Yeah. You know, I heard stories about him that, you know, yeah. that make, you know, sounds like he's a really strong character. Mm-hmm. But everything under her approach or writing, or writing, this is something we should talk about too. Yeah. Um, it's, it seems to be she avoids either subject matters or she just doesn't have the energy or the skills to, to talk about a character. Yeah. Well, I think I, I had a lot of problems with. The writing and the editing of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I felt like there was no editor. There was, you know, it was just non sequitur after non sequitur, and there were a lot of things that kept getting repeated over and over. It's yeah. like you'd read something like I she was talked about selling pot, and then fifty pages later she mentioned it again as if had, we hadn't already heard, right. yeah. gotten that story. And I was like, where is the editor? And you know, it says you know Sylvie Simmons's name is in it, and I'm yeah. like, where is she in this? And then at the very end, in the thanks, uh-huh. it says thanks to Sylvie Simmons for doing the interviews. So it almost feels like the book was just a series of interviews that were transcribed. I think that's the case. And nobody went back and edited it, which I feel yeah. like was a real disservice to Debbie Harry. I mean, and Sylvie Simmons, in a sense, although her name is in the not on the cover of the book at all, but, but it's on the front page. Yeah, front yeah. page, but. Sylvie Simmons is a very good writer. Yeah, she's a renowned writer. She's a renowned writer, and she wrote two very respectful biographies. One that I read on the Serge Gainsbourg book is very good that she wrote. And she's very famous for the Leonard Cohen book, uh, who she knew well, and she wrote about him quite well. And it's a well-known, well-reviewed biography. Yeah. And I, but I have, and also I've read numerous interviews she's done for like English Press and, you know, for Mojo Magazine, which yeah, she still exactly. works for. She's so very... I have a highly high respect for her work. Right. But for some reason, she's even herself is like a phantom figure in this book. Yeah. Like that's Chris what Stein. I felt. Like I read Chris Stein's little introduction, uh-huh. and it's sort of like about nothing. It's sort of like a, like a ghost type of, you know, it's not a ghost, I mean, not literally a ghost, but his yeah. presence. Yeah. It's so not felt. Like, mm. nobody here has a strong presence in the book. Yeah, I agree. It just felt very superficial. Like I said, it to me, it just felt like an extended Wikipedia entry. You know, and, just... and she's friends with a lot of these people, you know, and therefore you will suspect if she's writing a book and she's going to write about the New York scene, 
she was fortunate enough to be surrounded by not only that, but like the Andy Warhol crowd and yeah. and, and uh, the whole Warhol factory. People. Yeah, I had high expectations for the book because and she it, was hanging out with like every interesting and, person. And like, you know, and, and she was a waitress at Max's Kansas City. I know, City. yeah. She <clears> met <throat> all these amazing people there. And, and fair enough, she does write about it. I mean, she writes about all this stuff, but somehow she just avoids... Um, I feel like she purposely avoids not digging deeper for some reason. Yeah, well, she does. There's a part of the book where she talks about that she's a very private person. And I respect that. You know, Mm. I don't, you know, I think there's this idea that if people decide to become some kind of performer somehow, Mm. that that means that they're forced to give up their privacy. And I don't buy that whatsoever. But, you know, if you're going to write a memoir... What's the point of doing that well, if you're not going to kind of get into stuff? Yeah, this is I interesting, especially it's, like a music a memoir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's two types of music memoirs I've read. Mm-hmm. There is like, I did everything, this is my life, like Keith Richards is that way, uh, Pete Townsend's that way. It's like, I don't, um, sometimes those books are not that good because their writing is not that good, or right. it becomes like a list thing, like I did that, I yeah. did this, I was at Woodstock, and you know, it's like, yeah. but they, they don't go beyond that. Uh-huh. Um, and then there are writers like Bob Dylan. And uh, uh, the first memoir book by Brett Anderson, who's the lead singer of Suede, mm-hmm. um, choose a very detailed, yeah. like their childhood. Yeah. And I have not read this, but, but the book by Flea uh, from Red Hot oh, Chili Peppers, new yeah. his new book is basically this is childhood as well. Oh, I didn't know that. And it stops. Oh. And then I read like a biography by Michael Bracewell on Roxy Music that uh-huh. stops before they make their first album. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so this, so all those books are very focused. Yeah. You know, I haven't read the plea book, yeah. but the but the Dylan book is is. I mean, Dylan chooses like three or four segments in his time and life. Yeah, and, yeah. And he's yeah. a private. I mean, obviously, he's a private man, yeah, and he's yeah. not going to tell nothing that he doesn't want to tell. Yet, yeah. he's a writer, writer who can yeah. write about and convey uh, his world or however he imagines his world yeah. in great detail. And Patty Smith is another writer who. You know, she can write about having coffee at a cafe and make I it, know and make it interesting. Make it really interesting. Yeah, it's true. And you know, Richard Hell is like a good storyteller with a lot of stories, yeah. and he's kind of you know he he has a strong personality, yeah. and you know, and it's it, and but yet for some reason Debbie Harry doesn't do this. And what's frustrating, you can say, well, she's a bad writer, yeah. but there's something more. There's something more to this strange book. This book is very strange. It is a strange book. And in all honesty, I feel like the publisher did her a big disservice by not taking more care of it and either having somebody sit down with her who is a good writer and, you know, coaxing the interesting stories that I'm sure she has to tell mm-hmm. um, in a way that she would be comfortable with. I don't, yeah. I, it was very odd. I don't, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't, I mean, I, you know, I get, I understand the privacy issues. Um, but at the same time, you can, there is a way to still maintain certain privacy and, and tell interesting stories, you know. And well, you know, okay, a, a person says, I'm do, you're going to work, we're, you know, her agent says, you should do the memoir. Yeah. And she's okay, I'll do the memoir because she's probably think it's either for money that you do it yeah. or you have an interest to tell, tell. Yeah. So obviously she does does not have interest in telling the tale to me. Yeah, well, it's interesting because in the interviews I was reading earlier today, she did say, you know, I wanted to get the story straight on a lot of things, but... But what? what what's, yeah. the, what's, the, what what's the controversy? What yeah, is she want to get exactly. straight? exactly. I don't know. I mean, the biggest controversy in the music geek thing is when, you know, uh, was uh, her 
not the main band, but like the, the band that where she had all the hits, mm. that particular lineup, you know, who were kicked out or fired oh, or whatever. Oh, right. And they tried during, and, the, and then right, when she did the, and the Rock and Roll Hall Rock of Fame, Fame thing, yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. seems that that war shows us nothing but trouble for people. Yeah. So, and she meant, you know, there's a brief mention of that, but not, but she doesn't go into detail yeah. about why they were kicked out or what the money issue is or yeah. you know there's a lack of um not a lack of honesty but a lack of um there's no examination you yeah know? it's no yeah no reflection really yeah yeah it's a memoir that has no reflection yeah and That's strange you know she talks a lot you know she she was an orphan mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she was adopted young mm-hmm. the baby yeah. and she uses that as sort of like a motif of her personality you know yeah. and, and that she doesn't like to be alone or she's afraid of people leaving her. Right, or, she's got abandonment issues. Abandonment issues. Yeah. But, and she does cover that on a certain level. But I would, you know, if I was her editor, I would like to try to draw that out more. Yeah. You know, the more... And then also some of like, you know, her quirky friends like Joey Ramone, mm-hmm. who's a really interesting person. Yeah. That's why I just being the Ramones. He's just a strange, right. odd guy. Yeah. And when you read this book, you don't get anything aspect of him, his, his eccentricities at all. Right. Like everybody's eccentricities actually are minus. Yeah. Nobody's eccentric in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she barely talks about Andy Warhol either. And then, um, you know, I mean, she mentions them here and there, but, you know, she hardly says anything. And then, though, when he died, she, uh, she says, Andy's death hit me hard, a terrible shock. His death was an enormous loss that changed my life as it changed the art world and the social life of New York City. I was actually in mourning for Andy for about two years. When I read that, I was like, wow, but you barely mentioned him before this. Yeah. You know? It was very strange. And also her relationship with Chris Stein. Mm-hmm. And they were a famous couple. Yeah. You know, like Serge Gainsborough, Jane Birkin, right. Chris Stein, and Debbie Harry, yeah. very famous in the Ultimate same level. New York and we're and work and work and a working couple. Yeah. So he mentions she mentions that the day he died or the day of the funeral, they she split up with Chris Stein. Yeah. Now, if you're a normal person, you probably don't want to go into why you break up. Yeah. But the thing is she's in a way I feel like she's sort of disservice of the relationship because yeah, you know, she is writing about it. Yeah, and she doesn't be gossipy, but she can write about. And you know, and she hints at things. You know, like like he felt a lot of pressure in Blondie, like trying to protect her. Right. Protect her from what we don't know, but yeah. like we can presume, well, right? Because she's a, uh, David she's a, Bowie's. <laughs> I don't know if she how well she protected her from <laughs> David Bowie's penis. <laughs> Uh, which is in the book. Uh, that was actually one of the more amusing parts, for sure. And the way we're talking about it makes it sound more amusing than the actual reading, I think. But, but you know, you, so, you know, there's a lot of like hinting of it, but she's never like gets really gets into it. You know, yeah. You know, uh, she doesn't get into it. And if she wasn't, you know, if if if, if she wasn't Debbie Harry. I just know Debbie Harry has more to offer than yeah, this book. I think so, too. and that's like the disappointment for me. Yeah, yeah. I suspect if you you meet her in person, she's probably a significantly more interesting person than the book makes it seem. Yeah. So, so then the question is why? Oh, and then the other thing that that, that drives me crazy about the book, like the editing, <laughs> the photo editing. Yes. 
Yeah, she had, there's a lot of photographs in the book. A lot of great, iconic photos of her in the book. But it seemed like placed randomly. Yeah. Like, like it's like... She'll she, be talking about it, and then you have to, like, hunt in it. You have to hunt through the if book you see, for Or it. there's a photograph there for no reason that yeah. you can figure until it's like much... You know, the story is like much later in the book. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe they did it by size. Look, <laughs> they didn't read the text. They just want to compare the size. Oh, God, I know. It was, yeah, it was real annoying. Because it was interesting, because she actually talked about the photos quite a bit. Um, that was one thing she did seem to get into with mm-hmm. several of the photos. Uh, you know, the the one where she's wearing the vulture T-shirt and mm-hmm. the little studded belt, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and the one where she's in the Marilyn Monroe dress. So she talked about the photos a lot more than she talked about other stuff. And then, you know, and so I'm like reading about it and I, and I knew the photos. I had seen them before, but I wanted to look at them while she's talking about it. So I'm like flipping through the book trying to yeah. find them. It was really annoying. No, the, the photo editing or yeah. is really bad. Yeah. And then there's at least how many sections? Three, four sections of this, of uh, her collection of um, fan art. Yeah. Fan art is interesting at times and it's interesting, but in the context of a memoir, it's sort of annoying to, you know, it's either your memoir or not a memoir. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, this book is almost designed like an art book in a way. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a nice print. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very designed book. Yeah, yeah. You know. They and, took more time on the design than the editing, I think. Yeah, without, probably read, probably without reading the text. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. And so there's whole sections of her, those like, you know, fans' portrait of Debbie Harry. Yeah. That she collects, which is <clears throat> totally honorable and totally understandable. But I don't fully understand in the context of a book, why this is in the book, especially in three or four sections. There was a sections. lot of fan art. And a lot of pages, right? Yes, and of course, most of it's not really very good, you no. know, and I mean, it's, I get why she keeps it, and I get that she wants to honor her fans, but I don't need to look at it. <laughs> no, and another odd thing is I know that Chris Stein is a photographer, and he has done books on, Bl- you know, on Debbie Harry Blondie yeah, as well. Yeah, he took a lot of the iconic photos of her. Yes, and yet none of those photographs are in the book. Oh, I think he took some of them, didn't he? Are, are there any Chris well, Stein t- pictures? I'm, I think so. I think he really? took the um, Marilyn Monroe dress with the frying pan. You know, oh, you're right, you're right, you're true. And That's he took right. the vulture one. Right, right, okay. Um, I think there's a few other ones, too. I, I take that back. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, because he took so many of them. Right. Her. Yeah. But anyway, the book is very disjointed. Yeah, no, it was definitely disappointing in that regard. Um but, you know, I think she did say some interesting things I thought about um, privacy, too. I, I loved the bit when she talked about how David Bowie mm-hmm. taught her how to walk out in public and not get recognized. So she's she was out shopping in London mm-hmm. with a friend, and the friend said, how do you not get recognized when you're out and about? So she says, uh, one day when we were out shopping, she asked me how I could do it without being recognized. Easy, I said. David Bowie had shown me how. I was wearing a hoodie and trainers. I dropped the hood, pulled back my shoulders, lifted my head and smiled. People started to recognize me and call out my name. Then I put my hood back up and my shoulders went down and I was invisible again, which I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's funny because I worked for six years. I worked just a few blocks from David Bowie's house in New York. And um, some of my coworkers had seen him out and about, but I never saw him once. Mm. And I know that he would wear like cargo shorts and a t-shirt, like right. stuff you would never expect yeah. David Bowie to wear. That's how he managed to do yeah. it. And I, was, I always wondered like how many times did I actually walk past him and, and not realize I was walking past David he, Bowie. I read in one of the biographies, that, like so many biographies came out of Bowie the last you know, few years, that he would, uh, he would travel around New York City with a Greek newspaper. Oh. 
That's great. So they always have the Greek paper. Uh-huh. For some reason, the Greek paper... Uh-huh. Throw people. Yeah, they, that could totally, they get this connection between... That's hysterical. Because he's, know. I mean, he has such strong features, it seems like it would be impossible not to recognize him. <laughs> you know? I mean... But apparently he managed to do it. And I did see a photo at once where he was wearing like cargo shorts, yeah. like so not Bowie and like sneakers, like yeah. very unstylish, like super American, like, yeah. you know, really blending in. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And I think in, a, in the same book, I've, whatever the book was, he also mentions that Bowie, because like, as you mentioned with Debbie Harry, uh-huh. Bowie was with somebody. He said, look, I can, you know, I can... Turn it on and could, turn it off. And he turned it on. Yeah. And like everybody started recognizing him there and stuff. And yeah, like it's like it's this amazing. sort of like a magic thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like is. a turtle who sticks out of the shell and the head and then and then puts the head back into his shell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. it's interesting. But Debbie, you know, Debbie Harry's presence is very, I mean, she's a very important music figure. Yeah. Whether you like her or not. And she was the pre, right? Pre is the right word of Madonna. Absolutely, you know, yeah. and and she's a you know she was definitely one of the, uh, she's one of the, you know she's one of the first singer pop people who was retro I think and I'm this, I'm thinking on top of my head right now but uh-huh. she was the first one like re- recognize her the style and presence you know uh-huh. the, the Changer Laws period or the early yeah. girl band groups or girl rock groups uh-huh. she, you know in the seventies she sort of brought that image into the seventies yeah and. There wasn't that many, as far as I know, that many like singers who actually adopted themselves from another era and uh-huh. bring that presence into the contemporary era. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, she does talk about being strongly influenced also by people like Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. I mean, she definitely was toying with the whole sex object thing, mm-hmm. but it was interesting because, you know, she was making it work for her, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to previous women who were often, you know, being forced to sort of right. play that mm-hmm. role. She was working it for yeah. her. And it was interesting, one of the quotes that she said that I um, uh, like, so where she's talking about that, um, you know, and, and dealing with men in the industry. So she says, so generally I've been able to turn that sexual disrespect around and make it work for me rather than against me. Gender play is seldom simple. It's a complicated shifting dance. We're primal one minute, civilized the next, and everything in between. So, I mean, she was very self-conscious about that. You know, she played up the sex object role, but mm. she was in control of it. And I think she was one of the first people to do that. And um, she also talked about, you know, Patti Smith, who was one of the other very strong women of that era. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot. I mean, as basically, I think that was were probably uh-huh. two of the few. Um, but, you know, Patti Smith obviously wasn't she didn't play the sex object role and she talks about that it sounded almost like there was a little bit of competition but uh-huh. she says uh patty dressed more masculine though deep down i guess we came from a similar place my approach was different in many ways you might say that what i did was more challenging <laughs> mm. so um i thought that was kind of interesting although i i'm uh-huh. i gather from other mentions that they are friends i don't uh-huh. know it was kind of funny because again that's somebody who she probably knows really well but it was barely mentioned in the book yeah very casual it's yeah very flip i don't know it's yeah. strange yeah it's strange it is strange but... so that in the essence is face it by debbie harry yes so you know it's if you're a fan it's it's fun enough it's an enjoyable if you're read. if you're a fan of debbie harry or blondie you will read it. Yeah, if you're just interested in the era, you're not going to get no, much information. No, no, you're not. It's uh, not. It's not that type of it's book. It's not very illuminating in that regard. But it, yeah. and it should. It should have been. 
Because yeah. you would definitely would want to know Debbie Harry's take on the whole CBGB. Yeah, I feel like that she's got today. more to tell. She's got stories, I'm sure. Well, you know, the book, she sort of hints at a sequel, right? Sort oh, of the, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's sort of like hints of there's more to tell. Oh. But she didn't tell anything. In the oh. So I don't know what... I, she better get writing. <laughs> <laughs> and get a better editor this time. Yes. And again, um, it, it it is... I think there's a story here that we don't know about. Yeah, I feel that way too. Because I feel like somebody dropped the ball, and I don't think it's, you know, I, definitely not Sylvie Simmons. She's a really good writer. Yeah. So anything she touches is usually like a gem. Yeah, you know? I feel like they didn't let her touch it. I mean, to yeah. me, like I said, I just felt like maybe a transcript did, of interviews. Maybe she know? did the interview, and then, you know, then she yeah. had to hand the tapes over to somebody yeah, else. Yeah, strange. Very but anyway, strange. But yeah. But, um, but we're very excited about the next book. We are. So, okay, the next book. We're going to be discussing Scott Walker and the Song of the One All Alone by Scott Wilson. Another Scott. Yes. And we are huge, hardcore Scott Walker fans. Really? From fanatics. the Walker Brothers on to the super experimental, crazy Everything. stuff he did right before he passed. Everything. Yeah, we love it all. Yes. So that's going to be like a five-hour show. I think so. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one a lot. So please do join us and uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And we have playlists for every single one of our episodes on Spotify. And we'll and have Apple one for Music. Debbie and Blondie, for of sure. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. And you can get links to everything on our website, bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. Bye-bye. Ciao.